0: Live with CDP Sports Talk, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast, sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet. Live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn, and on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Anchor FM, iHeart Radio, Amazon Music, Radio Public, and TuneIn. Now here's your host, Chris Palme. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 27, Overall 302 of Live with CDP Sports Talk, uh, which is brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out BarryCullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles, or give them a call at 519-824-0210, or email them at info at barrycollin.com. Live with CDP Sports Talk is weeknights at 8 o'clock on radio station WQEE 99.1 FM in Atlanta, Georgia. And I want to say thank you you to my guests tonight coming on. Uh, my guests are Linda Crockett and Barb Vetter. And uh, Linda is the founder of the Canadian Institute of Workplace Bullying Resources, which she founded and started up in 2011. And she's out of Edmonton, Alberta. And just bear with me and I'm, I'm going to bring on Linda and Barb. Good afternoon, ladies. How are you doing? Good. Thank very, you. Very good. Thanks. For, good. Thanks for having us. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. I, I really appreciate it. How, how are you guys both out of uh, Alberta?
1: No, I'm from Ottawa,
0: Canada, but I, uh, okay. Ottawa, Ottawa. And Linda, you're from uh, Edmonton, right? That's right. Edmonton, Alberta. How, how things out in Ottawa and Edmonton right now? Go ahead, Barbara. Uh, our temperature is, is, lovely having a great summer we're
1: impacted for a while by the forest fires but you know that's hopefully uh us now so we're good
2: and we were impacted by the fires too but we've been getting some really good rain coming down thank goodness because that's cleared up some of the air so i was
0: gonna I, I was gonna say this was one of the worst ones yet haven't we had that we've had it is Definitely. So hopefully things get better. But uh, hey, I want to say thank you so much, uh, Linda and Barb for coming on today. And I really look forward uh, to talking to you today as well. And uh, um, I guess the first question is going to ask you, Linda, and then we'll go with you, Barb, is can you just tell my audience here in Ontario, just a little bit about yourselves?
2: Sure. Uh, My first career was in social work, and then I started to become a a trauma therapist. But my area of specialty is workplace bullying, otherwise known as psychological harassment or psychological violence. I see that on a spectrum. And I started this company about 12 years ago to help people who are suffering in the workplace and expanded it to help leaders and help organizations work in the uh, legislation area as well. So pretty much we're a trauma-informed resource for anyone that's impacted or anyone that wants to prevent the injury or intervene, and uh, whether it's early stages or crisis level, and also covering repair and recovery. So pretty much holistic trauma-informed lens on this issue
0: for all Canadians. Go ahead, Barb. Okay, Barb? I'm not sure if she can hear us or not. Good. Um, I
1: also, I can hear you perfectly. Thank you. I'm okay. an MSW, started my career over probably 30 years ago. So I've been doing this for a long time. Worked uh, in the area of um, clinical delivery, clinical best practice, uh, uh, design, and uh, research. So I worked uh, almost for 20 years eight years in the same organization. It wasn't the same organization. I always say I stayed in the same office, but it kept changing. So I worked there for 28 years and I left in January. And since then, I've been working on uh, just doing some project work. And my primary project is really getting uh, to support a fundraiser, the one we're here to talk about today. So I'm really uh, in a very different stage of my life where I'm just getting to do what I want and to have passion projects so that's who i am
0: i can relate to that barb i'm uh 51 years old and I've been working on a new career into radio the last three and a half years and uh, I just love doing my podcast show. It's now on a radio station in Georgia and uh, I'm also trying to uh, do as much as I can in the media industry and uh, I've met so many wonderful people and connections from doing this show and what I love about this show is the storytelling aspect uh, for my guests and learning from my guests as well. Excellent. Linda, I wanted to ask you this question. Um, how did you end up, how did you come about uh, founding the Canadian Institute of Workplace Bullying Resources in 2011? And what were some of the, uh, sorry, what were some of the, chain, the challenges? Uh, I can speak. Uh, what were some of the challenges of starting up your own business back then? So in
2: two, when I went, I went through this, that's what started it. So the, when I went through it, I had been in social work for 22 years. I had a bachelor's degree and I worked in all kinds of abuse. I was an investigator. I supervised and trained investigators. I knew what abuse was. I worked in addictions, domestic violence, sexual abuse. I knew what I knew what abuse was, and I certainly knew the systems that we walk people through in order to help them with the abuse, you know. So I was very familiar with the signs of abuse, but nobody ever talked about workplace bullying. Nobody trained us on workplace bullying. There was no language for us, and it was so normalized that it happened in front of us all the time, and we never said anything. So when I went through it, I I really hit rock bottom. I was working in a cancer center. And I was bullied by a psychologist, an HR, a pastor, a social worker, and an admin manager. So these are the the professions that we would never expect to be bullied by or an environment we would never expect to be bullied in. So I wasn't watching my back. I was just wanting to be there to help patients who were diagnosed with cancer through treatment and recovery or through treatment and possibly through death and afterwards, the families. I loved my job, and so when I went through it, I struggled for a couple of years with a lot of abuse, and, it, and I wasn't the only one. And when I, I got so sick, I ended up in isolation because I was very ashamed of being targeted. I thought, how could this happen to me with the knowledge that I have? And I'm supposed to be able to know human behaviors and all this, you know, be a good communicator, but yet I missed it. So I felt very ashamed and I went into hiding for a long time and became very, very ill. As I mentioned, I was diagnosed with PTSD and I had some physical issues as well that have remained permanent. So if you keep stay staying and you keep trying harder, it only gets worse. And that's a message I hope people will get out there. You can't fix it. If you've got a target on your back, you need some help. So when I, just, when I realized I was, I just decided uh, being quiet and isolating is actually feeding them, the toxic ones. And I need to do the opposite. I need to stop talk about it. I need to get loud about it. And as I say over a few times, I haven't shut up since, and I'm not gonna shut up for a long for a few years yet. And I find many platforms to talk on on this level and build awareness, even internationally. So I started to be really to answer your question, Chris, because I went through it. And when I realized that there was no resources in Canada, I knew that this was going to be something that in years people would catch up to, the world would catch, people would start talking about it, legislation will come. I didn't think it would happen in my lifetime to be very honest with you. So I'm very impressed that it's here, it's still weak, it needs a lot of help. But I also was very motivated by the fact that with my education, I missed it. What about people who don't speak English as a first language? What about people who don't have my education? How are they going to survive? because I barely made it. I was on that suicidal ideation pathway. I made it based on the fact that I had some resources. What about those who don't? And I also thought about my children and my grandchildren. I I know they're getting bullied at school. I don't want them bullied at work. All of that drove me to get to where I am today.
0: Linda, I wanted to ask you this as well. I have a story to share as well, and uh, I'd like to hear from Barbara too, but do you find, bullying and harassing is 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 more prevalent now than it was back in this i was born in 72 so do you find it's more there's more of it now than there was back in the 70s and 80s or even the 90s i've got a couple of answers for that and i'm sure barb could add to it so yes you know in my
2: opinion (laughs) over the decades the tactics have changed And because of the internet, right, we've got, I call the internet an abyss of weaponry if somebody wants to hurt somebody, and and there's all kinds of ways for that to happen now. So as we get more intelligent as a society, so do our tactics, and, and you know, they get more sophisticated, and therefore the injuries get worse. That's one part of my answer. The second part of my answer is that I saw a change when the Me Too movement came out, And that opened up a few doors to people in shame to talk. At the same time, we were lobbying for legislation. We got it in Alberta. And a lot of organizations were starting to get exposed. So people were starting to talk about it. So with more people talking about it, legislation in place, more people getting exposed, awareness is getting bigger. And you're just hearing more about it. The, the people who've been silent are com- we're coming out of the closet. We're now talking about it. And there's horror stories out there. Horrible, horrible, torturous stories that people have yet to hear yet. Uh, nothing shocks me anymore, but things still bring me to tears because it's so awful. But nothing shocks me anymore where it's happening and who it's happening to and who's doing it. None of that shocks me anymore. But I think, as I said, with our internet and growing awareness and legislation, yeah, you're hearing more.
0: Go ahead, Barbara.
1: Yeah, so um, I, I don't really have much more to add other than, you know, awareness and sharing stories brings forward more and more. So I would just say that when I, at a very high level, say, hey, I've, I resigned, I worked on an issue, I worked hard to resolve it, and people have a, some awareness, they say very quickly, oh, I had that problem too. That's the part that I find almost, you know, Linda says tsunami level. It is an avalanche. The numbers of people that sort of line up and say, and and they're not people I know well, they're people I might talk to very casually. I'm just mentioning it in passing at a very high level, no details. People come forward with these stories all the time, just making yourself open to that. And, you know, it's amazing it's amazing and it's shocking at the same time it's not good amazing it's not what you want but there's a there's now more awareness and more appreciation that it actually is being normalized as something they experience i think what happens for people often is they lose their their self esteem and their gauge on what is normal and so you start to swallow things thinking did I read that right? Do I understand what just happened? And only when you sort of step away and get an independent voice saying, hey, that was not okay that you sort of realize. And I think that the conversation happens more and more in my world.
2: So I would in, in all of our worlds, Barb, because this is a very common experience. And I just had a client like that who just needed a sanity check, you know, because There's a lot of mind games involved here. Oh, yes. And those mind games get into your emotional side of your brain. And when it's in the emotional side of your brain, you can't see clearly. And you start to go into that place of self-doubt and questioning. Did I hear that? Did I see that? Should I feel this? And when nobody in your environment is validating you, then you even go into a deeper place of self-doubt. So sometimes you just need to be pulled apart, uh, aside, just like Barb said. Reach out and get a sanity check because you can't quite trust your brain when it's in full, you know, confusion and shock and disbelief and even trauma. Absolutely.
0: Um, Sorry. Go ahead, Barbara. Sorry. Well,
1: I was just going to say there's another layer of complexity here. and, And I would just add in that often when someone is going through workplace bullying and harassment, it is being witnessed by people all the time. And so as much as you think no one's noticing, people come up to you and they say, are you okay? that happened to me. And so, you know, you might think, Hey, this is just me, but all of a sudden the conversation in your workplace starts to shift and people are leaning in to provide you support and they're sharing their own personal experience. And then you realize it's not just me. And that's good for normalizing, but it also is a message of, it tells you that there's a lot of people standing by and are fearful. They're fearful of what, how do they keep their job? Because there's many aspects of their job they want, they love. Linda, you said, I love my job. Mm-hmm. I did not leave. Yeah. I loved my too. I loved the people I worked with and I was proud of the work I did. It was the last thing I wanted to do was resign.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's my, the decision that people have to make often in trying in to, my to case, be real. Yeah, so their lives.
2: Yeah. They have to leave to save their lives because there's no other way they say they're going to get so sick. They're going to either take their life or die of a heart attack. But I just Mar- want to say, yeah.
0: yeah,
2: hold on. I, I just got to say to Barb, she was very, very lucky that some people did come up to her and say, Hey, I saw that. I have a lot of clients that nobody comes up to and they're left on their own. Like they feel very betrayed. And that's, it's kind of called betrayal blindness. And it's just, There's a lot of reasons, a lot of valid reasons why people don't come forward and say, hey, I saw that, because they're scared, they see that it doesn't work, you know, coming forward doesn't, you end up getting retaliated against, or, you know, they're at risk of losing their job. So I could say a lot more about that, but I can tell you about something important to say, Chris.
0: Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, um, I left my former employee a year ago. I can't go into the details, but I am so much, I, I, I did like the job, but the environment was toxic. And to be honest, the last year I've been a happier person. My stress levels come down and uh, I don't miss it at all. But one thing I wanted to ask both of you ladies is if companies are really serious about uh, cleaning up their cultures. Culturals and workplace safety and stuff like that it all starts with the top especially with human resources as well
1: yeah i mean i'll start this one lid and then you can add in and i would say you know i worked in an industry where i worked very closely with eap i mean with that hr in the eap industry that was my, my most of my career was spent in that industry and i think people hr wants to do a good job are they using the right strategies do they have the right policies are they doing the right type of education i think there's a lot of work to be done here i think just as you know in my industry in the industry i came from there was a recognition almost 35 years ago that people needed privacy to deal with their personal mental health issues and, and hr lifted that out and said we don't know we don't want to know about your private issues you go seek help privately, all we need is the strategic information so that we can inform the organization at a a strategic level. So there was what I used to always refer to as the firewall. I think governance needs to consider that at, at the highest level, because if the policy escalates to HR, inherently there is a conflict of interest because HR has the obligation there is to protect the organization. And that has a bias in it naturally. I don't think HR wants to do a bad job. I don't think they're using the right tools. And I think they need way way different strategies and way more.
0: Uh Oh, okay. uh, We just lost Barb there, but she'll come back. Uh, I'm not worried about Linda. Did you want to talk for a minute or two while uh, Barb hopefully we'll get her back on.
2: Yeah, I'll fill in, I think, where she was going. I 100% agree with Barb. HR, there's some really great HR out there that are getting bullied too. That is a fact. I'm hearing those stories. And then there's some HR that are bullying others and misusing their power. Fact. I'm hearing those stories. And then there's some that are stuck in the middle, you know, but they need a paycheck too. What I see and what complements what Barbara has said is they need to be trauma informed And if they're trauma-informed to understand that there's the slightest risk of bias they should not be involved in the investigation they should be stepping back and they should be getting a third-party investigator and that third-party investigator should be trauma-informed we are talking about psychological harassment psychological violence psychological hazards psychological injuries that means there's a psychological component so if you're a leader or an hr an investigator a mediator a coach or a therapist You need trauma informed training to deal with this or you're placing people at risk of being harmed by your mistakes. You don't have to be a therapist, but you have to have some trauma informed training. And that's what's lacking out there.
0: Since you started up your business uh, 12 years ago, do you find it has gotten better in Canada or is there still a lot of work needed to be done, especially with bigger companies?
2: You know, I'm, I'm really proud that Canada has legislation provincially and federally. And I, I, I know the Northwest Territories is working on it. I'm, I'm really proud we have some language all over Canada. But we will always need to do more. You know, we don't really clearly define psychological harassment. We clearly define harassment, but that's two different things. So we need some work there, but we're still ahead of many other countries. Are we doing better? No, there's still, there's a lot of employers that are great. And I am having a lot more larger organizations knock on my door and ask for the training, and that's great to see. So I see an improvement, but there's a lot more work to be done. A lot, we've got a long way to go yet, and I hope we can continue to be a leader. Our Canada can be a leader in this area. The, the, the Canada, the rest, every employer in Canada needs to get the message, this is not going away, and change is happening, and you need to decide, as a leader of a, an owner of a business, what side of that change do you want to be on? Do you want to be exposed for harassment, sexual harassment or bullying? Or do you want to be on this side known for promoting psychological safety?
0: Welcome back, Barb. Uh, oh, Barb, sorry you, about that. No, no, <laughs> no worries. I'm glad you're back. And uh, would you like to add a, into that as well?
1: Um, I'll wait till the next question and make sure i'm aligned to the conversation so thank you chris i'm i missed a little bit so i'll catch up
0: one thing i wanted to add to and i experienced this experience this with my uh former career as well um the belittle belittling part too coming from management and to me that's a form of harassment as well
1: Mm -hmm. you know um i'll just say that the and, and this may have already come up but the, the key to me is education. And what became very clear as I went through trying to resolve my own issue was that the organization, and I worked for a behavioral health organization, and if you read my read me in LinkedIn, you'll see I was the chief clinician. I was the most senior clinical person in my organization, and I had to work hard to resolve my issues. And what became clear to me is that the education and the vernacular to manage my issue what needed needed to be really um changed i mean i you know as i went through my issue you know i was said i was told this is an interpersonal issue you're not adjusting to change you're too emotional you're too sensitive and there was lots of language that really minimized what was going on and i was really told by by many colleagues peers if you take action if we take action, this is career suicide. Now, imagine that, you know, when you're at a different stage in your career, knowing that you're about to ruin your career. That is the, and no No HR leader, no progressive company wants that in their culture. But that's the fear. That's the yeah. fear.
2: That's a, that's a really good example, Barb. And- as a, as a person who's a target, watching this train wreck coming, you know, you see the train wreck, it's going to come and ruin your career, you ruin your reputation, all this 10, 15, 20 years of hard work and everybody around you is saying, you know, I don't see it, you shouldn't feel it, you're overreacting, stay under the radar, don't be so sensitive. That's just more crazy making and more betrayal. And this The injury of this kind of abuse is a trauma of betrayal.
0: So. Absolutely. And um, I can relate. It's a different career and a different company, but I can kind of relate to this as well. And uh, also this uh, people don't realize this, too. When you're done work, uh, people who are going through this, bring it home with them and it affects their home life as well. And uh, it just shows you how how much of an impact this can have on your life, not just at work, but outside of work as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely right. Because a a lot of us get really stuck in ruminating thought about what happened, and is this going to happen tomorrow? And how do I get out of this? I just want to do my job. And I've had one client who, while driving home, was so caught up in thought she crossed over the solid line on the highway. You know, and you know what kind of disaster that could have happened. And you know, families, the husbands and wives, they're staying up till three in the morning with that person that can't sleep or. They're stressed out, worrying about their spouse, watching their physical and psychological health decline. And children are noticing mom mom or dad are not the same. Mom or dad are isolating now. They're not joining our family celebrations. So it is impacting
0: the whole family. Absolutely. And I can relate to with uh, having anxiety or affecting my sleep, which affected my weight as well. Absolutely. All right, um, Barb. Did you want to add anything before we go on to the next question? I say go on to the next
1: question. There's lots to talk about. Um,
0: Absolutely, we could talk for hours and hours about this subject. But my next question for both of you ladies is: uh, Can you just tell my audience just to, what? Tell my audience about workplace psychological uh, harassment and uh, what are some signs of it? Which one do you
2: want us to respond? <laughs> Uh, who who would like to go first
1: go ahead linda and i'll add in you go ahead
2: so every the legislation that you'll see when you look at all the different provinces has a little bit of different wording and and basically what it means is it's never a one-time incident so it is a variety of very negative behaviors you know whether it's rolling your eyes at you or gossiping or Rumors or sabotage or there's just so many, there's a long list of negative tactics that can be used, right, Tell, um, lots of stuff. But if that's directed towards one or a group of people specifically and it's happening over a period of time, research, international research says six months or more, I say three months or more now that we're uh, uh, far more aware of what's going on, I would say it's valid to say three months or more. If, it's, if these tactics are happening to you specifically or your group specifically for over three months and it causes you some form of harm, and there's a long list of harm, we've talked about some of that already, anxiety, depression, PTSD adjustment disorder, you know, gastrointestinal, heart disease, there's all kinds of things this, is, this can cause. With or without conscious intent, you know, some employers are making the mistake of looking for intent, forget it it's with or without conscious intent. If you're causing harm, it's a problem, and it's got to stop, right? So there's lots of, that's kind of simplifying it as much as I can. Um, It's another way that I explain it is like death by a thousand cuts, that term, just change it to psychological injury by a thousand psychological insults. And it might be for you, Chris, it might have been the 700th cut that finally got you to say, I'm out of here, or for me and Barb, who are stubborn women, it might have been the 999th cut that finally said, that's it, I, I you know, whatever, can't do it anymore, and, and just had to leave to save my life. Um, that kind of breaks it down and simplifies it as much as possible there. And
1: I'll add to that, I'll, I'll just add a little bit more. And I'll say that there is an intersection or intersectionality between discrimination and you know except uh, vulnerable populations women uh, you know people who are from uh, you know diverse backgrounds you know it doesn't mean you're that they're the only ones who are targeted but again there is more vulnerability with with those people and they they have a higher percentage of, of incidents or issues. Um, I always think it's important as well to say what is psychological safety what is the opposite of psychological harassment and bullying and that at a very simple level is just being able to speak be heard and respected to be able to to feel you can speak what's in your mind and do that safely that's a very basic 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 thing that you should be able to do at work
2: yeah and I, that's an important point that you brought up barb about minorities but i, I also want people of all cultures of all types to understand that this is not you're not being targeted because of any imperfection that you could be perfect and you would still be bullied it has nothing to do with a lack of or imperfection in you nobody deserves to be abused it is about something that is going wrong inside the person who is offending you right there's something wrong with them whether they're jealous of you whether they're insecure whether they're a psychopath sociopath whether they've been trained to be a bully the way they are, there's something in them. So I want people to get that message. It has nothing to do with something with, with your with any kind of minority per describe what we're talking about. Or even if you were the most perfect person, it doesn't matter. You can still be bullied.
0: The worst, I uh, the worst of it, I I thought Linda that I went through and Barb as well. It's it's it wasn't coming from other employees. I thought the worst of it was coming from upper management, and that even makes. even worse because your your hands are kind of tight and 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 hr is working for the company in that as well and uh like i said nobody deserves to go through that at all and i i sometimes feel that when it comes from the management aspect of it is they're trying to get you to quit instead of firing you they want to try to get you to quit the job
2: sometimes that is the intention chris you know sometimes but research you know we see research varying from 70 to 75 percent depending on what country the research is coming from the bullying is coming top down so you're you're right sometimes it's the the manager bullying the supervisor and then the supervisor bullying the front lead and then the lead bullying the employee so top down but that's kind of like giving us a solution because that's telling us that we're not setting leaders up for success and we need to review our screening processes and our hiring processes but we also set have to set them up for success and we have to make them accountable which means monitoring them too right so When I do train leaders, I do ask this question, what's your leadership style? Most people don't know their own leadership style. That, to me, is a signal of a problem. How do you know that you're effective? Are you aware that people are walking around eggs around you? You know, so we need to start looking at leadership.
0: Well said. I couldn't put it any better myself on that as well. Do you have anything to follow up with that on, Barb? I think I've said
1: this uh, earlier. My point is that training and mentoring and real effective training is critical. I think that uh, often it's a tick box training. I did 10 minutes on a video screen. I answered a couple of questions. I was compliant to the governance structure. But if you really want to have meaningful training, you have to teach a skill, and then you have to ensure that there is experiential learning, that the leader gets to try it out, they get to reflect, and they get coaching when they come back to say, hey, this is what I liked about what I did, this is what I would change. Having difficult conversations, being able to confront issues, being able to identify issues, these are all you know, core requirements of leadership. I think there is also um, a growing need for developing these softer skills, these interpersonal skills on and, and uh, emotional intelligence, you know, so this is where leadership is going. And this is what's required to to create culture that is safe.
2: Well, again, the trauma informed training, you know, and when you're talking about leadership training, you're absolutely right, it's tick the box, but also our policies are not strong enough because our legislation says that every employer in Canada should align their policies to the new act. Well the new act really uh, doesn't, it, all, it ta- all it says is train them on policies and procedures. There's There's far more to bullying and harassment and psychological safety than just policies and procedures this is a human experience just like domestic violence and sexual assault. And there's the, the, the risk of a mental, uh, a psychological injury, which I call depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, low confidence that training needs to be far more than ticking a box. So I agree with you there.
0: I I wanted to also add to Barb Barb and uh, Linda too. I've been in where a company has, has preached all this stuff. But they never follow, follow through on it. And to me, it's one thing to put stuff down in writing, but actions actions speak long actions speak louder than words. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that as well. well. We talk a lot
2: about that in our training, Chris. That you know, just having a great website that says all the wonderful things and then not following through, you're actually telling your employees that you're a hypocrite. That you're you know you're not walking your talk. You're not practicing what you preach. And I always tell them, your employees are watching you. They know if you mean what you say. They know if you're committed to their best interest. They know it. And if you're not, you're either letting them down, they don't trust you, they don't feel safe or they're joining you and behaving the way you are. You're They're following your lead. Sorry about that, Barb, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was gonna come from a different angle and it's the angle of accountability and transparency. And, and there is measures in place for publicly traded uh, companies. And it's uh, uh, the ESG, and I put an A at the end measures, and it's environment, social governance, and accessibility. And these measures, the environmental requirements are much more uh, easy to measure, but, and governance, you can also measure, but the social component tends to be softer. And what you see a lot of organizations doing is, is creating social awareness and programs and doing good work outside of their organization. I think this trend is changing. I think more and more people are interested in understanding how do we measure social within the workplace culture. And I think holding people, holding organizations accountable for transparency on key measures. Now I'm not sure 100% what those measures should be, but I think how many people reported a, a bullying issue, how many reported in your organization a discrimination issue, how many people. Signed NDAs. I'm not sure these are all the measures, but I, and, and, you know, there's a subtlety here like, oh, no one, re- we have no complaints. No one filed a complaint. How is it documented? So the more accountability, the more, the tougher the legislation is, the more organizations, uh, the measurements become more specific. I think organizations will be forced by external pressures to step it up. I also think that tolerance in our culture and, you know, through the Me Too movements and more and more um, employees taking risk and coming forward is changing culture. Even if leadership doesn't want to make the change, they over time have been pressured into changing their methods. It's not perfect and there's tons of work to do as Linda's already expressed, but these techniques require organizations to change.
0: One thing I wanted to add here as well, um, I know even when you document things, it's important to make sure you have copies, dates and times and names for your own records as well. But sometimes documenting stuff doesn't resolve the issue as well. But I would tell anybody, always make sure you have dates and times and uh, even people to sign witness statements of what you're going through as well.
2: I'd like to go a little deeper into that, Chris. Okay. You know, we don't always carry a paper pen, or a computer with us. So I, I do recommend people keep it, notes in their phone. They've got a password, so it's safe. Don't put client information in your notes. Keep your notes in one place because it's hard enough on our brain if we're ruminating about things that are happening. If it's in one place, you're not going to worry about it at three o'clock in the morning. You know it's in your book. But you know, when you're documenting, you're you're documenting for a number of reasons. If one day you decide you're gonna complain, you're gonna want that note to go back to, you want the clarity of the notes, right? So this is a very fatiguing abuse and you're gonna be very forgetful over a few months. You're gonna forget what happened on July 17th. Something might happen that might make it a lot worse and you're gonna wanna complain. So you wanna be credible for that investigator. You want credibility consistency and clarity in your notes is going to give you that credibility. It's also important to document for your mental health. We talked about this earlier, how you start questioning yourself, what you saw, what you felt, what we heard. You can go back to your notes and go, oh, yeah, that is what happened. Because I start doubting myself, I go back to my notes. So you want that for clarity, to keep your confidence, to keep your courage, so you can make that complaint one day.
0: Absolutely, 100%. Barb, do you have anything to add on that? Uh,
1: I just say, like, it goes back to uh, you may not remember everything and you may not document everything in real time, but, but other people may know. And there's soft things that happen. There were many times in my experience where people came to me after a meeting and said, Are you okay? Or they texted me and said, Oh my goodness that was harsh. Those are bits of information that if you just go through your cell phone, you go through your team's calls, they'll start to come to life for you and they'll accumulate. And documentation is interesting because we we, we sort of hit a critical point often. This is the, the tipping point. Oh my God, I, I can't take it anymore. But if you go back and you revisit some of the things, um, you'll you'll see, the informal conversations, you'll remember things, and over time it accumulates, and that's how you you really sort of build your your awareness and your 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 information to support your concern.
0: Again, clarity. one thing. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, clarity. But I've um, I've had situations where I've had a case and that HR department didn't deal with it and other employees see it too. And when something is not dealt with or resolved, it can even make the environment even more toxic going forward. And there was points where I just dreaded going into work, not because of the job itself, but because of the, the, uh, the, the, environment there.
2: Absolutely. That's more common than than people realize actually, you know, and you know, we've got a lot of people that are, crying on the way to work because they don't want to go to work but they've got to put the food on the table they got to pay the bills you know and then they they get you know they soldier up through the day and obviously that's going to make them feel sick they got knots in their guts or tension in their body and and obviously that's going to impact their immune system and then they cry it all the way home and but they don't have a choice to quit some people will say to them well if you don't like it here quit but you've got bills to pay you got kids at home those health benefits and people just don't realize how Multi layered and complex, this really is, and that's another reason why training should be mandatory, especially for first responding professionals, leaders, investigators, HR, etc. Because there's just so many more insidious nuances that people
0: are not getting. Barb, you got anything to add to that? Nope, we're good. Okay, I'm going to ask this question, and then we're going to get into your uh, big fundraiser event on October 20th here in Toronto. And I've already got it on the ticker uh, below the screen for you, Linda and Barb, as well. Great. Right. You're welcome. Um, I wanted to ask you this question, both of you ladies, how long approximately did it take to change a company's work environment and make the environment safer, uh, not just physically, but psychologically safer for the workers and everybody in, with that company?
2: It's its gonna depend on I mean, every organization, every profession, every industry is different. And how long have they been toxic? and how damaged are they that's going to make a difference it could be a quick turnover or it could take years
1: and i would say leadership changes and leadership brings new initiatives and and fresh starts so depending on the leadership and the philosophy and their education and their priorities they have those are the levers that make a difference the other thing that makes a difference is talent leads they may not be able to call out this culture is is a problem it's, it's not good work here but you will see a steady stream of people leaving they may not tell you why but once they cross the line and they leave there's a wealth there's a group of people that will embrace them likely and say me too i was there i made the same decision so you'll see talent being lost if you don't change
2: talent being lost to either transferring out resigning or going on sick leave that's a trend as well if you want to pay attention to it But when we go back to what would it take and how long would it take if you've got to make sure your leadership is a cohesive team, if you're practicing, if you're saying it's zero tolerance, make sure every leader is on board with you because one or two weak links is going to ruin every dollar you've spent trying to clean up or make it psychologically safe. So make sure we're talking about a cohesive leadership team here with full commitment and it's consistent.
1: Mm-hmm. I would also, I, this is the part that I really want to highlight with you, Linda, <laughs> and that is consistency approach. Regardless of your role in the organization, the consequences are the same and the the policy will be followed. A policy usually has many layers. You know, it's one, two, three. You first start with your manager, you go to HR, and I'm uh, sorry, you, you first start with the person directly, then you go to your manager and then you go to HR. Sometimes you can't use all of those uh, steps given the situation. But if it becomes so difficult, and you have to go into, you know, resolving it through, you know, other means, legal means, which is, you know, really a very uh, terrible, like aggressive uh, uh, action, no one wants that. No organization wants that. No individual wants that. So, you know, you get to change organizations, as Linda said, by acting fast, but acting consistent, consistently and making sure it's a safe culture to get help. I really can't say this enough, get an independent, uh, complaint process, an escalation process and seek expert advice on your action plans. There is no legal obligation or no legislation right now that says an an organization has to do anything. They don't have to take, once they find there's a problem, they don't actually have to make a change. That is a problem. And that's where organizations need, they have the accountability if they want to change their culture, to have an independent process and independent advice on action.
0: Uh, One thing I wanted to add to you uh, ladies as well is I found myself and and many others that are in looking for new career jobs and stuff like that. As much as I I want a high paying job, the money aspect is important and and doing what you like is is great as well. I want to make sure the next where the next company I'm in, the work environment is, is good because there's nothing worse than a toxic work environment and, that's the biggest part of a job right there. It's not necessarily the job itself, it's the environment. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah so There's two parts I'd like to say to that. First of all, you've got more awareness of what workplace bullying, psychological harassment is. You've got more awareness of the signs. You've got more awareness of the early warning signs and the indicators and the risk factors. So even in an interview, you could probably ask a few more questions that you wouldn't normally ask about how do you guys deal with it that doesn't guarantee they actually do the most of the change is going to come from you. You know that you've healed some of those wounds and you've healed some of those buttons that people can change and you've looked over their policies. But I mean, you've got more legislation today than you probably had when you were in that job years ago, and it's going to get better as time goes on. So we have, but we do have more resources. Whereas when I started this, there was nothing in Canada. So things are a lot better now than they ever were. And that's just going to continue to get better.
0: One thing, Linda, I wanted to ask you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Barb. Oh, no, I'm good. One thing I wanted to ask you, Linda, is uh, your company focuses on Canada. Is your company focused internationally, too, or is it just strictly in Canada?
2: It is a Canadian company, but I have been working with people in the UK and the USA and different parts of the world since I started because, you know, like we mentioned in the very beginning, this is not a small issue. This is an epidemic in the workplace. It's happening everywhere. And so it has, I have had people called from all different parts, but we've also, I started a workplace bullying awareness week every October. There's a full week of events for 10 years now in the last four or five years, I've invited other countries. We have 16 countries joining us. So every October during that week, 16 countries so far, hopefully more this year are going to do workplace bullying awareness week. And I think that's really shifted this movement even further in line with me too. And in line with legislation and everything else.
0: Would you like to add something, Barb?
1: Well, I think it would be a good time to start talking about our fundraiser. I hope that's okay. Chris, do you want to get a bit?
0: Yep, that's our, last que- that's our uh, next question. Can you tell us, um, both Barb and uh, Linda, about your fundraiser on Friday, October 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern? I believe it's 461 King Street West in Toronto. It's uh, cocktails, networking, silent auction, dancing. And also, how did this event come about and how much work was it into planning this event? Take it away, Barb. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot
1: there. So I'll, I'll start and, you know, Linda, you'll add. So as I said, I had a workplace issue and it was quite significant and it took me a lot of work. And thank goodness I was able to resolve it. You know, my organization and I worked hard and we resolved it. It was not an easy journey. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my career. And, uh, and when I resolved it, I was able to, I look back and I said, I was able to do this partly because i got educated i had i was naive i was certainly i uh, even as a clinician i didn't really understand what had been happening to me psychologically and uh and i really needed to navigate and learn very quickly and i relied on linda's sites and her uh presentations and her information she had no idea who i was i called her after i resolved my issues and i said i've been stalking you i think that was my opening line I'm a a committed fan and a stalker. It is (laughs) Without your help, I would have never been able to navigate and learn what was happening to me and how to resolve it. And I am so grateful. I'm a person who had a successful career. I love my job. I worked in the same industry for 28 years and it was hard for me. I was someone at the later stages, I'm at the end of my career, not finished. People have been telling me I'm retired. There's no way I'm retiring yet. I've got lots to do. So I was I was privileged. I had the resources, I was a counselor, I had skill and insight. I was confident at, at some level, I could speak up and say, this is not okay. And I was learning and I had you know support through Linda. So I called her up and I said, you don't know me, I know you. I want to pay for this experience because if I had a difficult time and if I was dragged down so low and suffered as much as I did, I can't imagine how the rest of the you know, other people who don't have my resources, skills and insight and, and could have managed. And I wanted, I said to her, I know your organization, I'm aware of it and I want to pay for it. And I want to do a fundraiser. And, uh, and Linda said, okay, let's do it. I think that's my story. Really. I think that's our story, Linda. And, yeah. uh, and uh, we actually started working on that very day. And started to immediately think, okay, how do we do this? And the goal really is to provide quality information and to help people navigate. And the tools that people commonly need are good counseling and sometimes legal and legal support. And you don't want to use your lawyer as your counselor and vice versa. So, really getting people who have very little resources. Enough of the right information to lift them up. That is sort of at a very high level what we're aiming towards. And now I'll pass it to you, Linda. You'll <laughs> to it.
2: The reason that we feel this is a such an important event is that I've seen thousands in my in my in my private practice because I I specialize in treating this injury, and I train therapists to treat this injury as well because a lot of therapists potentially could make mistakes and cause more harm. And people are out there fighting to stand up for themselves, to speak up for themselves, and sometimes they exhaust every penny of their savings. Some people have actually lost their homes just trying to stand up for themselves, and that's another injustice. And there's nowhere for them to tap into getting some funds. They, you know, they don't have their insurance benefits anymore, or whatever the case may be. And so, we wanted to put a fund together to help those people. They might need a few more sessions in in therapy just to give them the courage to to ke- keep going or to make that decision whether they're going to do it or not make a complaint they, they might need a legal consult or a letter from a lawyer but they can't afford it so we want to raise funds to help people this could be for those who are listening this could be your daughter this could be your wife this could be your mother your father your brother your son that is going through this someday we want to make it safe for them now and in the future and so this event is our first kickoff it's going to help us fund a uh, a toolkit for injured workers and also put some money aside if somebody needs to see so we'll have a, an application process they'll have to qualify for next year we'll do another fundraiser i'm hoping it's going to be a conference you know to to build awareness next year but we'll we'll keep coming up with some good ideas so that we can get some funding for to get some help We'll apply for grants. We'll apply for a GoFundMe, but we hope people will make donations
0: and attend. What do you have a goal right now? What you guys would like to do, or that too soon yet to to talk about a goal for this fundraiser? The more, the better. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, how can uh, how can my audience that are watching this or listening? Uh, I contact you guys for tickets or what's the best place online to purchase a ticket for this event on October 20th?
2: Well, you've got my website there and we can send you our poster, Chris, if you want to put that up. Uh, cause that's got all the information on it. It's got the email address where people can email for tickets. Uh, there's, uh, there's my email that's going across the board there. I can see that being put out. Barb, do you have that email address for, uh, Kelly
1: available? I don't, but I think if you just go into our social media, you'll see the the materials. I think Chris you're going to you're going to circulate it. It's certainly on the um, the website for the organization, the Canadian Institute for Workplace um, uh, Violence and Correct. Harassment and bullying. Yeah. So What I would also, I just want to really underscore this, and I think, Linda, you've said this, and Chris, you've said this, but we're looking for corporate sponsors. We're looking for organizations that really want to put their name in front of this issue and say we want to do better or we want to ensure our employees get the help they need or other organizations get the help they need. So sponsorships of all industries, all organizations. We want individuals to come and have fun. And if you're if you're not able to attend in person, we really welcome your donation. So, like the the sponsorship is is great, but all donations are really appreciated.
2: Yeah, and and we do give well, this, credit for that. You know, you get your logo put up on a big sign, and we and we do let people know that you are sponsoring, promoting psychological safety.
0: Any chance this event could be live streamed as well? Possibly. Yeah, we, you can, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and uh, well, I, think I portions believe, of it for
1: sure. I think portions of it could for sure. I think, you know, the there's lots of parts of it. Like, um, you know, no one wants to watch us dance and have a party where you can't physically attend, <laughs> but there's some creativity there. So, Chris, we're open to these ideas.
2: Yeah, we and are we- going to be announcing some awards, for example. We are going to be doing a little bit of a speech in the beginning and announcing an award for the we did a survey with another company about the best employer out there for promoting psychological safety so we are going to announce that things like that for sure people can also buy tickets and and attend virtually remember that part so if anybody can't get to ontario but they still want to see how it's going uh, we hope to be able to let you see virtually
0: how many tickets uh, are available to how many what's the occupation uh, or the uh, availability for this event if you want to buy a ticket
1: well, the, the, um, the venue comfortably holds probably about 300 people. And we have a, an overflow room that we have reserved. So we have lots of ca- capacity. We have lots of capacity. And uh, it is at the last day of the uh, Bully Awareness Week. So it's really a celebration, a, a less formal celebration. So we put you know, the fun in fundraiser, but we really want people to network. We want to celebrate people's, you know, what they contribute and just, you know, the power of the voice of just saying, we're going to do this better.
2: And we're even going to have ping pong tables. So I challenge anybody to game. <laughs>
0: Sounds good. Is this, uh, yeah. is this possibly going to be a yearly event then? Wow, I hope that's
1: so.
2: A nice <laughs> idea, Chris. Thanks for suggesting that. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: It's our first, and I think with everything you do for the first time, you need to evaluate it, but it is our hope and our passion that we continue down the road of doing some really fantastic fundraising. And uh, if our party's successful, then why wouldn't we do it again? And we believe will be very successful. I do want to acknowledge that we've had a lot of good response early on. We've had a lot of people who are buying tickets and we've had some really excellent corporate sponsorship. So I do want to say we've, we've started out in the gate really strong,
0: but more and more
1: is welcome. (laughs) Oh, we need more.
0: (laughs) Did you want to mention your, uh, did you want to do a shout out to your current corporate sponsors for this event so far on here?
1: I think we'd like i i don't know what you think uh linda i'll leave it to you we've got a couple i
2: think i will leave it to you mark because you've been bringing them two on so well, those two um, especially, what i would
1: say is we have a an organization called upstream counseling in the uh greater kitchener waterloo area who came on as a as one of our formal sponsors We have another, uh, we have People Corp, who really believes in psychological safety and really wanted to step forward and formally offer us support. So those are two of our most recent uh, corporate sponsors. We have a couple more, but we're going to start sharing that more in our social media campaign on LinkedIn. But those are two that really uh, have helped lift us up, and uh, we're excited about their their support. It's been greatly appreciated. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Before we wrap this show up, is there anything else you would like to add for this event? And do I have permission to uh, just play a a three or four minute video clip of uh, your podcast show as well? And Linda, would you like to plug your podcast show as well? Yeah, absolutely. You have my permission. And my
2: podcast is called on the record stories of survival and, and thriving after workplace bullying. It's on my website, the Canadian Institute of workplace bullying resources. And what I really wanted to highlight was try to get every profession up there that has experienced bullying. So we have HR, we have military, we have police, we have uh, female officers, we have nurses, teachers, lawyers, HR, social workers. Uh, we have an indigenous uh, counselor. We have all kinds up there. It's not just the voices of people that have been through it. You're gonna get to see their faces, what they went through, how they survived it, and what they're doing now you're going to learn about resources, uh, all around Canada. And that I hope is going to give people hope that they're not going to take the blame of this. They're not going to take this on. They're going to get past that self blame and
0: self doubt and start speaking up and getting loud like we are. And it's on all the platforms like Spotify and Apple and all that as well. Um, Is there a date and a time that you normally uh, record an episode?
2: They're all up on my website. That's the easiest way for people to find it. And okay. Just look at On the Record on the website, and you'll, you'll find them all there.
0: Okay. And the episode I was going to play is uh, uh, from the, the Whistleblower uh, episode as well. So I'm just going to play about a four-minute clip, and then we'll wrap up this show. But, again, I want to say, Barbara, uh, thank you, and let's— thank you so much for coming on here tonight. And I I think this was a great uh, topic topic subject uh, to speak about as well. Sometimes I I talk too fast, so I'm still a work in progress uh, (laughs) during the show. Thank Thank
1: you very
0: much. No problem. Just give me one second and we'll have this clip played. Let me know if you can hear it okay. Little low, Welcome
2: to the fifth episode of On the Record, The Whistleblower.
0: Okay, guys, I apologize. Joangel
2: Conception and I are very proud and honored to have our three guests speak. To
0: it looks like a Wi Fi issue. Um, sometimes the videos play no problem on here. Uh, but I don't know why tonight the Wi Fi is uh, uh freezing. I was just hoping to play a four or five minute clip uh from your episode. Uh, this one was the whistle whistleblower, so we'll just give it another uh, minute. And if it doesn't work, um, maybe I'll have you back on again in the future as a guest, uh, Linda, and we'll be able to uh, uh play a video clip. Okay, will it help if I sign out with your bandwidth? Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just try it again and see if we can get going. Experiences of being whistleblowers. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. we lost Barb too. So uh, I might just have to scrap the video. Unfortunately, speaking about
2: areas that they are passionate about.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah it's not going. It's not gonna. It's not gonna comply with this tonight. So. well so again uh again i apologize for the technical glitch and uh, hopefully we'll get them back as well again uh, i want to say thank you to linda and barbara for coming on here as well and uh yeah sometimes things happen that are out of your control so again um thank you all for uh coming on to season six episode 27 of live with cdp sports talk brought to you by barry cullen chevrolet at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycollin.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles as well. And speaking of Barry Collin Chevrolet, Summer Adventures event at Barry Collin Chevrolet 2023 Equinox and Blazer RS uh, are available at 4.49% financing for up to 60 months as well and i want to say thank you to barry colin chevrolet for sponsoring live with cdp sports talk as well as the uh, as for the event uh, with linda and barb uh for the canadian institute of workplace bullying resources uh the event is their fundraiser event again is on friday october 20th at 7 p.m at 461 king street west in toronto cocktails networking Silent Auction Dancing uh, will be available for this fundraiser for the Canadian Institute of Workplace Bullying Resources uh, put on by uh, Linda Crockett and also Barb Vetter as well. And again, I want to say thank you so much for coming on. I apologize for losing my guests on here. I was having an issue with my uh, YouTube uh, video I wanted to show of uh, Linda's podcast. And unfortunately, when I clicked that off, it uh, kicked me off of uh, this episode as well. So, you know, things do happen and it's out of her control. So I'm hoping to have Linda and Barbara back on my show again. Again, you can contact Linda Crockett at 7- 780-965-7480. Or you can email Barbara. You can email Linda. Again, you can call her at 780 780- 965 7480, or you can email Linda at psychological safety first at gmail.com as well. And also, another website you guys can check out as well is uh, workplaceharassment.ca as well. Also, guys, you can, uh, her website is instant. sorry, Linda's. Uh, website again is Institute of Workplace Bullying Resources So please check out our website as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk is a weekly sports and entertainment talk show hosted by Chris palme is now on weeknights at eight p.m. on WQEE ninety nine point one FM, the key, the home of Southern Sports and Talk, the heartbeat of Atlanta. Our website for the radio station is wqeefm. Sorry, that's wqeefm.radial12345.com as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk is live streamed on these platforms YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn as well. You can also check out my website at beacons.ai/chris. D Palme as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk is sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet dealership, 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Gulf Auto Mall. Again, check out BarryCullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles as well. You can also follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP. I post a lot of content there at Live with CDP on TikTok as well. StreamYard is the official live stream provider of Live with CDP Sports Talk. Uh, If you're into webinars or podcasting such as myself, check out StreamYard.com as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk, the audio version is available on these platforms, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, Spotify for Podcasters, CastBox, LinkedIn, Stitcher, and Tuned In, and also on WQE 99.1 FM. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to my Spotify channel as well. You can also email or text live with CDP Sports Talk at cpamay19 at gmail.com or you can text the show at 519 820 7188. Any uh, comments, questions? or suggestions for future shows would be greatly appreciated as well. You can also follow me on all these platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also uh, please consider subscribing to my YouTube channel as well. One second, guys. And uh, again... Uh, Just wanted to also let you guys know the Argo Bounce live audio show is tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern with co-host Nick Small and yours truly Chris Palme as we break down the Argos uh, win over the Montreal Alouettes. To go to four zero for the first time since 1983, and we'll preview the Argos' upcoming game this Friday night, July 21st, 7:30, versus those Hamilton Tiger Cats. And also, we're going to talk some CFL football tonight too. So I hope you guys can all turn into the Argo Live, the Argo Bounce live audio show on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, YouTube. Twitch, and Twitter, and then on my audio platforms. And the show will be available on WQEE 99.1 FM in Metro Atlanta as well. Again, I want to apologize for the technical difficulties at the end of the show. I was trying to play a video of uh, Linda's podcast, and unfortunately it froze. And when I cleared it off, I ended up losing Linda and Barb as well. So again, I want to say thank you to Linda Crockett and Barb Vetter for coming on here. And Linda is the founder of the Canadian Institute of Workplace Bullying Resources, uh, which she started up in Edmonton, Alberta in 2011 as well. The next live with CDP Sports Talk, season six, episode 28, will be this Thursday, July 20th at 9 p.m. East, Eastern with singer, songwriter. Actress, recording artist, um, Chesney Clare. So I hope you guys can tune in for that. Ches- Chesney Clare, she's also a four-time award-winning songwriter as well. She's based out of Las Vegas, Nevada. So uh, I'm hoping you guys can tune into to uh, Season 6, Episode 28, uh, this Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, again, with musician, singer, songwriter uh, Chesney uh, Claire, who was named after the legendary Kenny Chesney as well. So that's about it, guys. Again, I want to say thank you to Linda Crockett and Barb Vetter for coming on live with CDP Sports Talk tonight. And again, I do apologize for the technical difficulties at the end of the show uh, with uh, the uh, video uh, of Linda's work and podcast show that didn't work. And also, uh, it, unfortunately, it kicked both uh, Linda and Barbara out of my uh, podcast show as well. I'm hoping to have them both on as guests again in the future. So I hope everybody has a great evening and uh, I hope some of you can come back at nine o'clock tonight for the Argo Bounce live audio show with Nick Small and myself talking Toronto Argonauts and some CFL football. Have a great evening, everyone. And thank you everyone for watching and listening to live with CDP sports talk episode number 302 today. And uh, we'll see you for the next episode. Thursday night at 9 o'clock with uh, Chesney Clare from Las Vegas, Nevada, a singer-songwriter. Have a great evening, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon.